Episode 3, Hondo. We're really here, man. Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up, everyone? Welcome to episode 300 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. What a milestone. Appreciate you all. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe, and thank you to all of the amazing and outstanding guests that have been on the show. Appreciate you all. Today's show, Mr. Fomer Simpson returns to Combo's Court. You can find Foamy on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Fomer Simpson. That's M-R-F-O-A-M-S-I-M-P-S-O-N. You can find me on Twitter at Combo's Court. That's C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. And you can find me on Instagram at 12Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. That's right. Episode 300. Appreciate you all. Let's Keep it going. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Mr. Fulmer Simpson back in the building virtually. How are you feeling today, my guy? Man, I'm feeling excellent. I'm feeling excellent. I could use a coffee, but I'm feeling good and uh, happy to be back on the pod, sir. Yeah, we got to talk coffee in a moment, but first I had to thank you. I have to thank you on wax because you <laughs> promised on wax for the uncivilized gift package that I received. The Carmine Sixes, the shirts, immaculate. Those aren't Gildans. Those are not Gildans. Those... That is, what is this? Velvet? That <laughs> what is that? Velvet? Premium stuff, man. You know, you know, o- only the best, man. Only the best. And just the shirts, the cards, the sneakers. I mean, uncivilized, man. It's just, it's, it's, it's so unique. Just magnificent, man. Magnificent. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome, man. I, I know it took a couple of years to get it to you, but nonetheless, it touched down safely. And, uh, you know, we're happy about that. Better late than never. You mentioned you needed a coffee. Um, you know, I asked you on Twitter recently, is oat milk a soft move or a boss move? And th- there's a reason why I asked you, but you could let the listeners know your answer first. Big time boss move, kid. I Listen, I've been an oat milk aficionado for quite some time. And it's just superior to the other dairy and dairy alternative options out there. I mean, oat milk is the only way to go. Yeah, I would totally agree. So you're from New York City. You talk a lot about bodegas. You know a lot about bodegas. So here's the thing. As New York City guys, you know, we can really read situations. I think that's a underestimated characteristic of New Yorkers. I don't know if you ever got that, but that's my thing. Like, we could see things before they happen, right? So when, I go, when I go into the bodega and I ask for the oat milk, they look at me. <laughs> Like, I'm not from New York. I can tell, like, bro, I'm going to say, hey, bro, don't look at me like that. I'm from New York. <laughs> it's uh, not, it, it is definitely a little bit of a, of a hipster thing. So I know why they're looking at you like that, but it doesn't change the fact that it's superior, man. It really, really is. And, you know, it, it's so new still. You know, I think five years from now, 10 years from now, it'll be a little bit different. But yeah, right now, 
you know, guys are looking at you probably like, wow, look at this hipster. Where is this guy from? This guy's from Connecticut, man. So I asked, I, I asked for the iced coffee. This is a true bodega move. I don't know if you've seen this bodega move, dog. Dude took the <laughs> hot coffee, just put some ice, in, put some ice in the plastic cup, like mad ice. I'm like, damn, that's a lot of ice. He just took the hot, <laughs> he, took, he took the hot coffee and just melted it down. Oh, just melted man. it down, served me the hot coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yo, uh, the bodega. That's a, that's a bodega move. That's a big time bodega move, man. You know, uh, the ingenuity, uh, the the creativity, the, you know, there's a lot of cleverness. Uh, you know, it's like dudes like MacGyver back there. You know, you, you know, you ask for something, he can figure it out. He can whip it up, you know, one way or another. You want some iced coffee? Here you go, Papa. I got you. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like we underrated bodegas growing up. Um, I learned that especially when I went overseas because like things just weren't open at night, right? And a yeah. bodega is a place you can get whatever you want, when you want. Yeah, it's, New York City is unique that way. Maybe other cities too, but man, when I first came to Florida, I was like, wow. Like, and it's not like, yeah, you can find a 7-Eleven or a Wawa, but you know, it, it's not the same, man. Like a gas station is not the same as a bodega. It just isn't. And we took it for granted because at that time, that was all we knew. So it was like, okay, cool. And every neighborhood has a bodega or two, you know, you know, depending on where you're at or three. And it's just, I, I definitely took them for granted. I, I grew up like that. That was my cuisine, man. Like that's what, <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, you're drinking green smoothies now and all, man, listen, I was. Hey, mad snacks for $2 you could get for $1. Mad, I mean, come on, forget about it. With the tropical fantasy, come on, man. Oh man, I used to when I used to see my friend with the blue soda, I'd be like, man, that looked good. And then, I... <laughs> <laughs> good life, man. But but before we were health conscious like we are now, so um, yeah. yeah, man. I, I it's probably one of the things that I miss the most about New York City. Even though I know a lot of the bodegas there are now like more on their gourmet deli wave, they're a little more hipstered out, yeah. you know. You know, some of them, you know, those are the ones that are probably slinging the oat milk. Yes. You know, the at least the almond milk. milk. You know, it's actually levels. There's true bodegas. Then there's like slightly hipster with the almond milk. Then there's true hipster bodega with the almond milk and the oat milk. And who oh, knows yeah. what are the kind of milks they have? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Coconut milk. They, they, they got all the milks. Um, I, I miss it, man. I, I do. But I, I have to say, man, I, I am an oat milk uh advocate i am it's, it's delicious what are you gonna yeah, do you were going you were going with this straight black coffee for a little bit right man i'm still doing it man it's good like, it used to used to talk smack to me about it like that's nasty now you're doing it you know what i mean I'm, I'm doing it purely for health reasons purely calorically speaking okay it, it doesn't taste good bro you drink so so you drink black coffee and enjoy it i do you know i've been more on the oat milk wave lately but I do, I do drink black coffee, especially if there's like no oat milk around. <laughs> oh man, that's, uh, and, and you enjoy it. Like, like you're like, ah, this tastes good. I would say now I enjoy it more with the oat milk, but I like the black coffee as well. Yeah, I do enjoy it. Wow. I mean, you're built different though. I mean, you, you're a savage. You have been for a long time. Yeah, it's true. You tr so, if, you, if you see me eat before, you know I'm a savage. You know oh, I'm a 100%, savage. 100%. So I'm not surprised you like the black coffee, man. So did you get a chance to listen to, and I'm sure you did, CLB and Donda? Um, hey, CLB, man. So 
I mean, there's a few good songs on there. Actually, there's a good amount of good songs on there. My thing is, is that, and this is like an old school take. I think the Blueprint 2 thing is kind of going on with it, that there's a lot of songs. Right, I right. feel like if he condensed it and then maybe add, like the guy's an actor, the guy's funny. Maybe add some funny interludes. I think people would look at this album a little bit differently. Obviously, there's some really good reviews and there's, you know, some a few not, not great reviews, but that's my take on it. I felt like that's a way that he could have made the album better. But I understand why you have so many songs in the streaming era, because it's a little bit different now. The, uh, you got to, you know, that's how you make the shekels. You know what I mean? But what, <laughs> what are your thoughts on it? I mean, he went crazy on 7 a.m. on a bridal path. He went insane. Like, yo, this dude is walking around with a heart on his head, but he's still a killer like MJ and Kobe. Facts. Super facts. Yeah, no, nah, I, I mean, I think I'm right there with you on that. Um, it's, I don't think I've ever listened to an album that had 25, 26 songs on it and, and was just wanted to play it straight through because that's a lot. I, I feel like almost no matter what, unless it's really condensed, like seven, eight joints, you're always going to gravitate towards the ones that you like. And so I think obviously Drake has a formula and he's like, man, like you said, the streaming era, he's like, man, listen, if, if I put out 26 of these things, I'm going to be able to just put the, the whole thing in a chokehold for however long it, it, it's just like shooter shoot, you know, like yeah. Kobe, Kobe's not going to score 81, you know, taking 12 shots from the field. It's just not going to happen. So I think that's kind of Drake's mentality. He's like, listen, man, I'm going to get him up. He, he, he's out here trying to get up shots. And he knows that the more shots he gets up, the more we'll probably hit. He doesn't necessarily know which ones we'll hit. Um, but I, I would have personally liked it if it was probably half the amount of songs. Yeah. But, but at the same time, man, Drake, I, I feel like there's a few artists who – they really don't miss. Like they have better projects and projects that are not as good, stuff you enjoy more, enjoy less. But he has a formula that works and it just, it's good the way he delivers it. Like you said, he's an, he's an actor, like his, his presence and his charisma and the way he's able to deliver stuff and the way he's able to incorporate like lines and phrases that everyone says and can relate to and but puts a little spin on it like you know he, he he's the ig caption god man for sure so for sure. Um, yeah and no, I, I definitely enjoyed it uh 7 a.m on bridal path and pipe down are my two favorites yeah he had some crazy bars on 7 a.m man he had a horatio bar shouts to baby combo man yo sh wow Shouts to Baby Combo. Hey, this is a Combo Score exclusive because I never uh, put Baby Combo's name on. So everybody listens to the podcast will now know her, uh, Baby Combo. Hey, there name, it is, man. Horatio. Is. But, you know, there was a few, like, defeat bars. Like, you know, I listen to Battle Rap, so that's been, like, overdone. The defeat bars. I the lived defeat in bar Denmark. was bad. I lived in Denmark, so that bar, it, it was cool. It was cool. But Denmark was borderline, and then I think he followed it up a couple lines later with defeat and, and that one missed the mark a little bit, you know, that one kind of crossed over into cheesy land a little bit, but uh, nonetheless, man, he great song. He, oh, great song. Great song. 100%. Hey, that Gildan bar. Oh, yikes. <laughs> hey man, don't play with my seed, man. 
I think he's addressing that early because I don't think anybody even mentioned that. He's just addressing that like right off the bat, right? Like out the gate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I didn't get to uh I didn't listen to Donda as much as I listened to CLB. So what's your take on that? I did go right to the end because I want to hear Jada's verse. Um right. I probably listened to every song at least once, maybe barely. I did tune in, but not at the same level that I tuned into CLB. So what were your thoughts on that album? You know, it, it's it's a different yay right now. You know, I think a lot of people want uh, old yay and, you know, halfway old yay. And but, you know, now we're here 2021 and it's I liked it. I enjoyed it. I still appreciate yay as an artist, um, you know, regardless of some of the different things and and, uh, you know, some of the different antics. But it's, I, I thought it was produced really well. To me, it feels more like comparing it to CLB is really tough because they're almost at opposite ends of the genre right now, even though they're both insanely popular. So Kanye still has the gospel influenced. It's not nearly as much rap, obviously, but it's put together really well. It felt a little bit more, you know, and I hate to be this guy, man, but it, it felt a little bit more artistic. It felt a little bit more, put together whereas you could tell that drake just has his formula he's he stuck to it and boom here's another one to you know put the top chart the entire list in a chokehold on apple music and whatever and so i think they're very different albums i really liked yay on the first listen of donda now of course again it's another one there's so many songs you, you, I mean, there was probably five or six that, that really resonated. But the more I've listened to CLB, the more I kind of like it. So I feel like Drake has a little bit more replayability with his project. And yay, not quite as much. But I still appreciate it for what it is. You know, I, I, I don't think it's either one of their best work. I, I don't think it's either one of their uh, worst work either. You know, so I, it, it's kind of somewhere in the middle there for me. Yeah, I think for Drake, if he cuts down the songs and adds a few interludes, it could be a classic, in my opinion. I know some people are saying that they want to see more of an evolution from Drake, address some things he hasn't addressed before because he's getting older. I don't know your thoughts on that. It, I, I think it goes back to he's got a formula. You know, if it ain't broke, yeah. don't, you know, don't fix it. it, it it's um, he, He's changed, you know, a little bit if you listen to his early, early stuff, but I just think that's kind of the mode that he's in. And it's not like he's a super old head, you know? I mean, he's in his thirties, but it's not like, you know, you take like somebody like Hove, he's in a whole different place than where he was. And yeah. another thing with, you know, I, you know, I think with some rappers, right? Like if they start like on some super street shit and then, you know, and now, you know, fast forward, take Styles P, someone who you and I both really, really like, right? Yeah. Bro, the, the man is an entrepreneur. He's a businessman. He's got juice bars all over the city. Like, and he got juice bars in his music. Exactly. You know, and, <laughs> and, and but, 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 oh, uh, yeah, I like that. I like that. But so that's how things can evolve a little bit because your life is changing and stuff. I don't know that Drake is really doing that much different now, lifestyle wise, than he probably was 10 years ago. Like, he's making more and more money. But he's just, he's kind of still on his like, you know, pretty boy, a little bit corny sometimes, but he's funny. And, you know, and he just, he delivers it how he delivers it. So I don't, and, and another thing too is, and artists are hip to this, as much as people say, 
yo, we want something new. We want something new. The, the masses really don't because as soon as they get something new, they're like, oh, this is, this is trash. This is garbage. Oh, this is, I, I, we, we want the old Drake. And, and then a lot of times it takes a little while to marinate and then people finally come around. It's no different than a pair of new Jordan sneakers, man. New Jordans come out and people are like, oh man, nah, the, you know, I, I loved the Jordan 29, man. Those came up. People were like, man, that, that is terrible. That's garbage. And a year or two later, lots of people were hooping in them. People were like, ah, oh, man, I want to go back and get those. You know, I got to go back on eBay because they're not in stores anymore. Yada, yada, yada. So it, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, I think, for artists. So I'm, I'm good with Drake rocking how he's rocking. And, you know, I think he's still making good music. So I'm not really tripping. Yeah, I like the album. Um, TSU, No Friends in the Industry. TSU was the two. Yeah, that that has, you know, that's interesting and funny content. Like, just content like that is just, it's funny, man. It's, you know. I agree. It, yeah, and he, I mean, he even said it in interviews before, like, he really lives the rapper lifestyle. Like, some yeah. other guys, they kind of make albums. You know, they go back to their family. They make an album. They go out there, like, he, he feels like he's really living this lifestyle, like, 24-7. Yeah. 100%, you know, yeah. I mean, Drake. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, hey, you mentioned Styles. I mean, I was really happy that Jada had his moment, man. I mean, Styles had the moment too, but Jada really went viral. And it's funny, like people were tweeting, Jada's underrated. Like, no, he's been telling you he's top five for a long time. And long you know, time. I feel he's, he's top five. But I think the reason why people may feel he's underrated is because a lot of his greatest work is on mixtapes and on features, even though I really enjoy his albums, his actual greatest work is on the mixtapes and the features. Yeah, I, I agree. The thing that I love about the whole emergence of verses is that it kind of is bringing generations together and, yes. and, and showing different generations, different stuff. And like you and I, we grew up on Jada, right? Yeah. And you know, especially being in New York City. But a lot of people who are in high school right now, they're not, they're like, you know, they may have heard of Jada Kiss, but they're not really listening to his stuff like that. And to see him, he's perfect for the versus thing because it was like when he went against Fab, right? Personality like, matters. It, it, it matters, man. Like his, his presence on camera, on stage, the way he's able to interact with the crowd. I was so impressed with him when he went against Fab because there's not even a crowd there. Like he, he had stage presence without there even an audience that he could really see. Sure, there's a couple of people behind the cameras and whatever, but, yeah. and, and then when they took it to Madison Square Garden, there actually was a crowd there. He was just as good or even better. And he, he's charismatic, man. He's charismatic and- Without trying without it, it it's not it's not forced and that's the thing he's just who he is he's he's got a lot of bravado he's always been that way and and let's be honest he has the bars to 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 back it up you know it's funny um the, a sneaker store that i go to down here right somehow like two days after the versus in madison square garden he was down here in tampa picking okay. up some sneakers and someone had him on on video talking to him about the battle and he I got it on my phone right now and he was saying that we had everything planned out like we were like on some like military like we we had it drilled and we were in in locked and loaded and ready to go we had 
anything planned for any scenario, anything they threw at us. And that showed, right? Because like, you know, Dipset was, they were kind of all over the place. They were kind of a little sloppy with it. And you know, I love Cam. I love Cam. But yeah. I mean, you put, you put Cam on an Uncivilized shirt, right? No, nah, we haven't. We have I thought you had. I thought you have. Nah, we haven't. We haven't put Cam. Why did I think that? Probably because you posted them on the stories before. Yeah, but we do have something inspired coming pretty soon. But yeah, now nah, we haven't put Cam on a t-shirt. But but I'm a big fan and have been a big fan, and he's another guy that we grew up on. Yeah. But they just weren't as prepared and cohesive and everything. And and to your point earlier, you know, Styles had his moment, you know, chic, like they, as a, as a three man unit, they, they just, it was, it was demolition, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying Dipset has beef between each other, but you could tell they definitely don't have the camaraderie that Styles, Kiss and Sheik no. have. And I mean, you rarely see a group in hip hop that stays together for that long. Like, obviously they all did their own thing. They all have solo mm -hmm. projects, but you never seen ever, ever in hip hop, a team to be together for this long and never have one issue even talked about, even rumored, in my opinion. Like, I never heard anything. I never heard anything either, you know? And and anything that they did have, I think they probably just handled it, you know, within the camp and, uh, and, and it was what it was. But yeah, you can tell they're very close. And man, it's no different, right? Like, you know, sports, music, whatever it is, you, you can have a team with a lot of talent but if it's not cohesive and there's not camaraderie and there's not teamwork and 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 they don't gel, then it doesn't really work, man. It, it, it just doesn't work. So you, you look at some of the teams like the Golden State Warriors and, you know, even before KD got there with Steph and Clay and Draymond. And it was like it was just a unit and they just kind of moved in unison. And I feel like that's what D block was able to do. And they put that on display. And because of that it's fun to watch. People were like, yo, this is, this is amazing. Whether or not, you know, you're in 10th grade now, or you were in 10th grade 15 years ago or whenever it was, it, it, it didn't matter because the performance was so dope. Most definitely camaraderie. You mentioned the Warriors, a great passing team. I recently tweeted the NBA's five greatest passers, in my I opinion. Saw, I and I that. got a lot of, I got a lot of feedback. People were kind of mad at me. Hey, People man. were mad at me. Let me, let me pull this up. <laughs> I mean, you know, a thing or, you, you know a thing or two about passing for me. I mean, I think it's a thing. You were a great passer when you played. Um, I think it was. I think it's a thing that me and you might even value more than other people. I think, like, me and you are two guys that really value guys that can pass the basketball. Sure. Yeah, so let me let, – I, I mean, definitely. So let me tell you my top five, and I want to hear yours. Um, and, they took your head off for this or what? Oh, yeah, yeah, they were at me. They were at me. So in my opinion, the five greatest NBA passes of all time are Magic, Bird, LeBron, J-Kid, and Jokic. Okay, so people, I can, I didn't look at your mentions. I saw you tweet that, and, and people were mad because Stockton wasn't on the list? Yes. Okay, I understand. I understand. I, I also understand why you have Jokic there and not him. So Jokic would be the guy that I think people would want me to replace him with. My thing is, and I think I tweeted this as well and you responded to it, if you watch Jokic play for a whole season and you watch Stockton play for a whole season, I think most people would say that Jokic is the better passer in said season. I, I mean, I, I agree for 100% as far as like the flair and flash and, you know, no looks and whatever. Stockton wasn't really 
that kind of passer. Like it kind of depends. Like like Stockton wasn't the Magic Johnson type passer. Jokic is more of that ilk. And I'm not saying he's Magic Johnson, but with a little bit more spice on it. You know, he's putting a little bit more uh, twang on that thing. And, <laughs> you know, put a little twang on that thing. But they also play really different positions. So it's kind of tough. Like, you know, you you hit Jokic in the high post or at the elbow or at the top of the key and, you know, run someone back door and, and you know, get a rub screen with someone, you know, with Jamal Murray curling around him. And it's it, it's such a different thing. Like he obviously can't run a pick and roll the way Stockton could because he he's not as quick and he can't turn the corner the same way. So he's not really going to, you know, go shoulder to shoulder and turn the corner and lay down a perfect bounce pass for Carl Malone. So it's a whole different thing. But in general, and this is something that always pisses people off, but in general, players are getting better and better. They're more and more talented. They're faster. They're bigger. They're more skilled. You look at people like Kevin Durant, like you look at some of these Antetokounmpo, LeBron, what Doncic is doing, you look at these newer age players compared to back then, compared to the John Stockton days, and they're just better. But you say that, and it pisses people off because, you know, I, listen, I'm not saying that Michael Jordan was playing against car mechanics. I'm not saying that Michael Jordan is not the GOAT or the best player or whatever like that. But if you look at basketball from its inception, when they were shooting on a peach basket or whatever it was, and you look at it now, and if you looked at highlights from the best players every 10 years up until now, I think you, I think it's easy to see that guys are getting better and better and better. Of course, I'm, that doesn't mean that Jordan couldn't dominate today. That doesn't mean that Magic couldn't dominate today, but it just means there are more and more and more better players. So in general, if it's kind of a toss up for me between someone who played now and someone who played 20 years ago, I think the edge probably goes to the guy playing now because it's, it's tougher competition, you know? So th th that's just my thoughts on it. Yeah. Every generation gets better. It, it, exactly. And, you know, and in fairness to the older generations, it's tough to compare them because it's the, the, the game is a little bit different. It, it's a, it's a faster pace. There are, you know, it wasn't that long ago where there wasn't a three point line, you know? Right. So it, it, it's, Everything is changing. I think it's really hard. It's you can't compare LeBron and Jordan, and and it, it, it's tough to compare certain kinds of players. And you know, Bill Russell and Kareem. It, it's just different times, different eras, different positions, different styles. To me, I think more accurately, this will never be the popular way to look at it. But there's just a top tier, you know, and there are several guys in that top tier. Not many. But there are several guys that, you know, span across the different generations that would be in that top tier, in my opinion. Who would be your top, top five greatest passers? Oh, man. Uh, I don't disagree with you. I probably I'd probably put Stockton in there just out of just off of a longevity thing. I'd like to see it for a few more years from Jokic before I started putting him in a top five. But um, well, so, yeah, I mean, I think people's thing was, is that John Stockton is the all-time leader. Yeah. And that's fine. But I mean, wasn't Jason Kidd the all-time three-point shot maker at right. one point? 
like I, and he's not the greatest shooter like it's see i need you handling my social media so you can hit them <laughs> with things like this man right in the comments section. man listen some of my <laughs> basketball takes have not gone over well man so i'm 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 used to having to retort and and respond to people who don't agree with what i'm saying but it's it, it, it's tough man i'm not if my five was any different from yours i'd probably have stockton in there but i'm really not mad at Jokic being there either especially for a big man i'm trying to think who else would get consideration would did arvidas sabonis play for long enough to get consideration yeah probably. i think a lot of his i think a lot of his uh career was played in europe he was yeah. an excellent rookie but he was like 30 i think at that point yeah, you i know? think he was older than that yeah <laughs> like so I, somewhere you know, around also there, another like, thing too another thing too is back then dudes looked a lot older like guys that were 25 looked like they were like 38 but uh nutrition and health thing right we got here. going on now what's that i think it's the nutrition and health thing we got going on now it could be in the lack of the mustache like that mustache that they were rocking back then wasn't a great look for youth <laughs> it wasn't that that mustache is not the fountain of youth yo arvita sabonis was drafted in 86 he was the 24th overall pick and does it say how old he was um as a rookie man he he does he's got a crazy He's got a, a crazy European resume. Whoa. Yeah, for sure. That's for wild. sure. Yeah, so, I mean. I think I Jokic was the better passer because he could make, I mean, Arvidas was a great passer, but he was more like stationary and Jokic could make right. passes on the move. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. What's, what's your thoughts as far as like, how much do you weigh turnovers into that equation? Because I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. But I know John Stockton turns it or turned it over less than Jokic does. It, is, yeah. is an extra turnover and a half a game or like, does that really, I don't think I would necessarily knock somebody down a spot for that, but I mean. I think, you know, when it comes to the numbers, it's always a tricky thing. I think you got to look at the film because right. if he's making creative type passes, I he probably, probably all the players on that list had a higher you know, more turnovers than John Stockton when you look at the numbers, right? Because they were a little bit more flashy. They're also going to make passes in situations that John Stockton might not. And right. nothing against John Stockton, but yeah, turnovers matter. But, you know, the greatest and most creative passes are going to have a lot of turnovers. Um, yeah, and, and they're taking more risks. That That's actually a really good point. I, I just thought of a player who should probably get some consideration, uh, Chris Paul. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, you know, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know who my fifth spot would be. I think for me it wouldn't be Jokic. Yeah. So you agree with the you agree with the four without Jokic. I agree with the four. You, your four without Jokic was Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Yes. Um, who was the third? J Kid? And LeBron. Yes. And LeBron. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that four. Yeah. And you might I, throw Stockton in there. I might throw Stockton in there. I'd I'd want to look at some Chris Paul numbers. Like I, I would, I like just off the top of my head, I'd, I'd have to dive into the numbers a little bit, but um, I, I'm going to leave that fifth spot. I'm going to leave it open, but you know, it could be Jokic. It could be Jokic. Yeah. People were throwing Jason Williams name around. I, man, I love Jay will, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that, you know, wrap around the back off the elbow to Rafe LaFrance. You know, <laughs> it's a big yeah, I, mean, he, I mean, he smoked it. I mean, he got fouled, I guess. But um, it's as far as flashiest 
passers and most exciting passers and guys that I looked up to and loved. Yeah, he would be on the list, but it's tough to put him like who you're going to bump off the list. I mean, Jay Kidd, like, yeah, that's kind of yeah. uh, that's a tough proposition. So, I I think guys like that are probably you know in the tier down. But man, he was super exciting to watch. Yeah, you know, I'm never mad at anybody throwing Pistol Pete's name out there, and obviously. Was- you know, one of the greatest and most creative pastors for sure. I don't know if he quite makes that list though. I agreed. I think he's probably in that tier down uh, charisma wise and, and the way that he played and how ahead of his time he was compared to his contemporaries. He he's, he's got to be kind of in the mix, but top five is top five, you know, that's well, definitely. And you're, you're always going to leave somebody out of these lists. That's why they're fun. You know, that's why they're exactly. fun. Listicles. Speaking speaking of the list, we always talk Jordans on this pod, me and you. We've done it a, a million times, but I think I ch- I want to change the question up a little bit sure. because I think Jordans one through twelve all great in my opinion, all yeah. great. I'd rack every single one of them. You know, which is your least favorite Jordan from one to twelve? For me, it's the two. Mm. Yeah, for me, it's the two. Some people love the two. Some people swear yeah. by the two. And also, just full disclosure, I mean, we all love 1 through 12. I don't think there's a lot of people that dislike any of them from 1 through 12. I mean, maybe some people, but. Yeah, I mean, and you know, to, to me, 1 through 14 is kind of like, that's the retro thing. You know, those are the those are the pairs that he, like, during his playing career. But, yeah, you know, the 2 for me has never really totally resonated as much as it has uh, with other people. Um, but then a lot of people don't like the nine and I love the nine. So, you know, the nine, you know, I like the nine. Yeah. yeah, The nine has kind of like that boot look to it. Um, I'm not, and and this is not going to be a popular take. You know, a lot of people don't like the tens either. I like the tens. It's not one of my favorites, but I like the tens. A sneaker that I don't wear much is the 13. And I love the 13, on Denzel's feet and he got game. Yeah. I just you went know went to Foot Locker with it. Went to Foot Locker with it with the <laughs> with the house arrest uh on the on the ankle, you know. But <laughs> right. It's uh on my feet, I just feel like the 13 is too clunky, man. I, I just I can't totally get jiggy with them. Now don't get me wrong, I still love the classics. I still love you know the Flint 13s and the he got games and I still like them. I just don't find myself wearing them that much because it feels like such a bulky sneaker on my feet, you know? So, yeah, um, I, you know, I feel like they, I feel like they could look good with some basketball shorts, but not jeans though. Yeah. I'm not really a jeans and, and Jordan 13 guy. And it's, I feel like in general sneakers look better on little feet. So definitely you know, you've got, but like a size 13, that can be tricky business. I mean, it's, it, it's a fine line between, oh man, those are really dope. And this guy's walking around with kayaks on his feet. So you, you don't want to have the, the extra bulky, extra long sneakers, in my opinion. Yeah, I think consensus for greatest, we probably talked about this before, are the ones in the 11s, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say right now, like the last seven years feels like it's been dominated by the ones. Growing up, the ones, I don't know what it was like in the Bronx, but growing up, ones weren't really popping like that. You know, yeah, I mean, I fell in love with them later. I mean, I always liked right. them, but I fell in love with them later as I got older because I think they're a mature Jordan. Exactly. It's 100% the most classic look. 
it's, it's, you can style them with anything. It's definitely the sneaker to me that has aged the most. Like I love the Jordan 11. We grew up on those. It was like, man, if you had a pair of 11s, you were in the game. And, but even now, I mean, I got Jordan 11s down here that I'm looking at right over here to the right. And I I don't ever wear them. I, you know, I don't really take them out of the box because here and there I will just to feel that nostalgia, but a pair of Jordan ones, man, you're going to eat. And for me, even the Jordan threes is, mm-hmm. is such a wearable sneaker. It, it, it's, it's probably doesn't have as classic of a overall appeal as the Jordan one, but it's not far behind. And to me, it's more wearable than the 11. I'm not saying it's a better sneaker than the 11, but in 2021 for me right now, it's a little bit more wearable. So I, I would say those are probably my three picks as far as my favorites in, in whatever order you want to put them in would be one, three, 11. Real quick, most underrated from one to 14. For me, it's got to be the eight or the nine. Probably the nine just because people really, people like the eights. I feel like they like the nines less. Like to me, the olive nine is one of my favorite Jordans. I think that's a New York City classic. I think that's a New York City special, bro. Like that's a, that just feels like New York City to me. So I really, really like those and the nines are not popular at all. So the eights and the nines for me, it's, the the eights i can remember being a young kid and the eights you know with the uh with the fur on the tongue you know with the little gray yeah. different colors and i remember seeing those and just being like wow those are incredible so um i you know toss up between those two yeah so i wanted to shift to this um that the word sneakerhead right right is loving sneakers and being a sneakerhead one in the same because i feel like you know, like you growing up in New York City, you weren't the, the word sneakerhead wasn't around. I remember in school you came in with the Jordans and, you know, they were fresh. Like, hey, man, listen, listen, I'm not new to this, bro. I'm true to this. Exactly. Like, People don't know that before we were cur- before you were curating content, you were definitely, you know, wearing the Jordans, keeping them exactly. fresh. Keep, yeah. Exactly. But is it one and the same? And do you consider yourself a sneakerhead? Man, it's I, I, I feel like that word has gotten kind of a little bit of a like a corny stigma attached to it a little bit. It's, it's, if call it whatever you want to call it. If you love sneakers, you can be, you, you can be someone who loves sneakers. You can be a sneakerhead. You can be a sneaker, you know, lover. You can be a sneaker enthusiast. You can be a sneaker collector. It's, it's whatever you want it to be, whatever you want to call it. But to me, whatever that is, whatever that name is, it's just someone who likes sneakers, just someone who loves sneakers, that feeling you get, that rush you get when you open the box and it's a new pair, you know, putting on a new pair for the first time. And even now, I kind of get that same feeling that I did back in the day, putting on a brand new pair, lacing them up and walking to the park. Like, yo. Yeah. I, you, you, yeah. you see what's on my feet. You see I mean, what's on I, my feel, feet. I, I feel like with a lot of the Jordans, you know, and this might be changing the subject slightly, but it's kind of like music. Like it brings you back to a time. hundred percent, man. Sneakers are just like music. That's a perfect analogy because they will bring you back to an exact spot. You know, they will bring you back to a, a, a block you were on a, a month, not even just a year. You'll be like, Oh wow. Yeah. That was, you know, that was November right before homecoming when you know, I was in 10th grade or whatever the case. And I think that's, a huge part of the appeal because it's it's this thing it, it it's this p 
piece of something with your know, footwear art, however you look at it. And it's like, it's like a time machine. And even now, like, it doesn't even have to be something that takes you back way back when you were a kid. But even stuff like there's a pair of Yeezys that I wore when I was over in Europe a few years ago. And that was the only pair of sneakers I brought. I bought those and I brought a pair of sneakers to hoop in. And so it's whenever I see them, they're hanging up down here at the studio. And whenever I see them, you know, it, it kind of takes me back there to Slovenia, Romania. I'm like, damn, I was really, I, you know, I put some miles on those. You, things. you were outside for real, for real. Hey, for real, for real, man. I, I was out there. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Great sneaker talk. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, we got to talk Knicks when we have Foamy on the pod. We have to talk Knicks. Um, last season, they were really good, man. The yeah. Knicks are really good. We don't need any kind of like deep dive into the Knicks and nitpicking thing. I mean, the Knicks are really good last season. And I think their roster improved for this season. So what is a realistic expectation for the Knicks this upcoming season? I mean, definitely we got to make the playoffs, but I feel like we overachieved a little bit last season. Mm. So even though we may have improved a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised if we weren't the four seed. I wouldn't be surprised if the record wasn't quite what it was just because I think a lot of stuff went right for us, but I like the team, man. You know, it's not a championship contender, but I like the team. I like some of the moves they made, you know, we pretty much re-signed everybody who was good for us last season. We're yeah. still going to have some glaring holes in my opinion. It's, I don't know that we have anybody on the roster who's going to uh, guard Trey young, but it's, yeah. it's, it, I, I like where we're at, man. From the time Melo left until this past season, it's, it's been bleak. It hasn't been looking real good. And so to have some of these guys, I really wanted uh, Bones Highland in the draft, you know, after you talking him up. And then I went and looked at some, some footage and I was like, wow, this kid can really fill it up. Did you see him and, in summer league? He's doing work. I, I, what was he like the number three scorer or something number two scorer he, and was, he, he came like he came right off the plane into a game and had like an easy 15 and then it only got better from there yeah I mean he's a bucket I, I love the way he plays so I, I really wanted him and he was on the board uh when, you know I forget what what pick it was but for our first pick he was on the board and then I think he went the pick after or or mm -hmm. maybe two picks after so but you know, I like the guys that they drafted and, and I like the guys that they brought back. And I really just to, you know, bring everything full circle. I love the camaraderie and it feels like we're building a little bit of a culture like and honestly, the Knicks culture has been missing since Ewing, honestly, like where you just year in, year out kind of had that like you could count on like you knew what the energy was going to be. It, it was like the epitome of keeping that same energy. And now I think we're finally starting to build something again. So, you know, I, I'm excited about it, but I think I have realistic expectations at the same time. Bringing, bringing things full circle. So the Knicks need to think of the locks. That's what they need to do. The Knicks need to, they need to what? Think, think of the locks, camaraderie. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe play it. You know, the Bulls had that iconic uh, intro song that they used to play. I'm just saying, you know, 
maybe get the locks together, you know, maybe have Jada spit a bar or two. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, they, they, they gotta have, they gotta do something with the locks, honestly, like just forget about the camaraderie of it. it, it, it it's, it's New York city, man. And after Jada did what he did in Madison square garden, it's only right, man. It's only right. Hey, they, yeah. gotta have, they gotta have him sit on the bench for a game or something. Real quick, did you find it interesting that Kanye put the locks on a flight, or at least I think it was Jada and Sheik on a flight? Maybe Styles was there too, like right after that. Like he was kind of. It, it, it's listen, man. Like these guys, the Yays and the Drakes, like you know, top tier, top yeah. tier, and and top tier, uh, mind wise, as far yeah. as like like being a maestro and be like pulling the strings and being like, okay, like they know what the formula is. You yeah. know, they like, like, yay, feel however you want to feel about him. He's a master marketer. Yes. I, I, he is, I mean, he is marketing at the highest level. And so look, he saw something, he saw the charisma, he saw the way people were responding to it. And he was like, say less, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Most definitely phone yeah. me, man. It's always fun talking to you. Um, Thank you again for that package, man. Just magnificent. Everybody go check out the Foamy and Buckets podcast. Obviously, the YouTube channel, Mr. Foamer Simpson. Twitter, Mr. Foamer Simpson. Instagram, Mr. Foamer Simpson. Come on, man. We're veterans in the combos court game, you heard? Oh, <laughs> you know the vibes, man. You know the vibes. But uh, yeah, and also uncivilizedstore.com for the uncivilized clothing. Uh, Most and I think definitely. That's pretty good, man. Yeah, you're always welcome back on the show. Thanks so much for joining in and talk soon, bro, bro. Yes, man. Yes, man. Thanks for having me. There it is. Episode 300 of Combos Court is in the books. What a milestone. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. And thanks to Foamy for joining in. We always appreciate you. Combo Nation, if you listen to this episode in its entirety, leave the name Horatio in the comments section of your Apple podcast app or wherever you listen to combos court rate and review this show and share this episode man share with a friend share it on linkedin facebook instagram share it everywhere man be on the lookout for episode 301 combo out